Rob's Reliability Project, a podcast for maintenance and reliability people to better themselves both at home and at work. Now let's get rolling. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Rob's Reliability Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski. On this week's episode, I welcome my friend Cliff Williams to the show. We discuss leadership. Cliff tells us some stories about his career and we just have an overall great time. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the Leadership Launchpad Project podcast. It's going to be rolling out shortly, and I'm pairing up with my leadership coach, Susan Hobson, to bring that with you. Leadership is a huge gap in our industries, and it's what's holding us back from getting the results that we deserve. So definitely subscribe to the Leadership Launchpad Project on whatever platform you've subscribed to Rob's Reliability Project on. Second thing is Rob's Reliability Project will be winding down in the near future, but I don't want to be taking anything away from you. I don't want to take away any opportunities that you have to ask me any questions. So for a limited time, I am offering reliability consulting services. So if you have any questions for me, if you want to talk reliability, you want to talk you know, leadership and reliability, leadership and maintenance, any of that type of stuff, reach out to me, Rob's Reliability Project at gmail.com or hit me up on LinkedIn and I can send you some of the packages that I have available. That being said, you know, I really appreciate you guys joining me. I really appreciate you listening over these last two and a half years, over these last 120 something episodes. And I hope I really hope you come and join me in the Leadership Launchpad Project. So thanks for listening. And here's the interview with Cliff Williams. UE Systems has been the premier source of ultrasound instruments, technologies, and support for 45 years. From handheld inspection tools, state-of-the-art and complementary software, and now permanent sensors with 24-7 condition monitoring, UE Systems has everything you need to take your ultrasound program to the next level. UE Systems has given us at Rob's Reliability Project a great, and you as listeners to Rob's Reliability Project, a great offer. We have a special offer. If you go to uesystems.com slash training slash online courses, the link is in the podcast notes. You can get a complimentary online training course from UE Systems. You can choose between lubrication best practices and functions, mechanical inspection and lubrication, electrical inspection, steam trap inspection, or compressed air leak survey. So if you go to uesystems.com slash training slash online courses and sign up for one of those courses, enter Rob's Reliability Project In the comment section, you'll get that course for free, a savings up to $495. So that's a great offer. I definitely recommend you check that out. I took one of the courses last year. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I also learned a fair amount from it. So definitely go out there, definitely register for an online course, and you can do it at work, at home, wherever. It's great. Definitely sign up and get that for free. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Rob's Reliability Project. We have the man, the myth, the legend, Cliff Williams is with us. Cliff, how are you? 
I am neither a myth nor legend, but I am certainly a man and I'm very good, Rob. It's great to be talking to you again. And uh, yeah, um, excellent to be here. Uh, it is uh, a matter of uh, sort of interest is that this is actually my last day of full employment with Urco Worldwide. This is actually, I'm actually on vacation today. <laughs> as of today, um, I will be retired from Urco Worldwide and I will only be doing part-time work all of the time. <laughs> so you heard it, heard it here first, breaking news yes, on the podcast. breaking news, yes. <laughs> so Cliff, you know, I, I mean, first off, this is the first time you've been on just a solo podcast. So it's been, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm shutting this one down in a few weeks. So. <laughs> yeah, that, that speaks volumes for me. <laughs> it's been so long. So Cl Cliff, you know, I wanted to have you on because, you know, we obviously we wanted to talk leadership. But before I wanted to get into that, I wanted to, to just ask you to walk us through your career. Like you were, you sent me this email a few weeks ago about, you know, your journey. And I think it'd be really helpful because I think a lot of people, they get kind of down on themselves or they don't really understand when they get into reliability, like they have no, like I didn't have training before I started. And so do you want to just like give people the story? Yeah. Okay, Rob, I will. It's a, it's a very long story because I'm that old, but no, um, I'll try and keep it within reason. Um, and people ask me, how do you get involved in maintenance and reliability first? And, and, uh, the honest answer is that I was pushed. Um, I started off when I was going through high school. Um, I took all of the arts courses, languages, history, everything like that, because that's where my mind is at. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't at it enough. And so I didn't get the, uh, the, the required grades to get to a university that I wanted to get to. And... Uh, and my dad, who, uh, who worked in a steelworks and thought that the, uh, you know, that the tradespeople in the steelworks had the ideal life, you know, they really didn't do much and they got paid well and everything like that, because that was his impression, uh, felt that I should take an apprenticeship. And, um, and he, he obviously didn't have as much faith in me as I thought he should, because we did start the process before uh, we got to the end of school. And so when I couldn't get into the university I wanted to, my dad said, okay, you've got the other option, which is go and be an apprentice. And um, okay, so I did. You know, not a lot of choice. Had to do it, you know, coming from working class background. This isn't one where you can dream a lot. You have to earn. So I, I did that. And, and so um, it became... Uh, very apparent very quickly that um, it was the wrong course for me. Um, that yes, I'd been taking the arts because that's really where my, my head was and my hands weren't where they should be uh, in, in the maintenance world or at least in the apprenticeship world. And um, uh, it's fair to say that out of our cohort, I was the worst apprentice. Um, I didn't, uh, didn't enjoy it, uh, didn't like it. And coming to the end of my apprenticeship, which was a four-year apprenticeship, so we'd spent some time in it, I did happen to see a review of, uh, or an assessment of my capabilities uh, in, the, in the files. 
and uh, it sticks to me to this day where the apprentice master had written, uh, Williams will not make a living in maintenance. So you proved him wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'd like to see him now, but long, long gone. But anyway, that uh, that was kind of the start. And then I I I took on uh, I moved off from an from the apprentice into a tradesperson. And the good thing was that I noticed that um, I really didn't have the hand skills and I was never going to have the hand skills, but I, I seemed to have the, the, the mental capacity for troubleshooting and for things like hydraulics where it was logic and things. So that kind of allowed me to at least get, keep a job. And then um, what really happened was that uh, in the British steel industry, there was a, a push to actually get reliability. And this is back in the 70s. And, um, and so I got involved in a project which used the, the, perhaps the first CMMS ever. Um, it, it was a, a, a computer the size of a, a truck, a semi-truck. It was huge and it was just punch cards everywhere, people running around punch cards. But lo and behold, um, we actually turned that into a success and everyone at the plant really appreciated it from the tradespeople to the supervisors, et cetera, et cetera. So then the next stage to, to my career was that um, Stelco, for those of you who are not from Canada, which used to be the steel company of Canada, uh, Stelco came to the UK to recruit to uh, build a plant on the shores of Lake Erie, a brand new greenfield site, and uh, they hired me to carry out the same sort of work, doing planning, scheduling for them at Lake Erie. Um, again, plans don't go <laughs> as they're intended. Uh, we got to Lake Erie and found that the steel workers went on national strike. <laughs> and so we shut down Lake Erie for a while. And then uh, when we did in fact open Lake Erie, the people said, okay, um, we really can't afford you as a planner and schedule. You need to go back on the tools, which was my wonderful strength. Okay. Uh, so anyway, back on the tools, but long behold, a few years later, moved into, um, moved out of steel and into pulp and paper. And, and it was there. I uh, was lucky enough to work with some great leaders who um, allowed me a lot of freedom to do uh, what I wanted to do we were it was a, a a brand new paper mill and developed various systems and things like that and then supported me and, and promoted me into the position of superintendent manager and everything and uh, that was the start of it and i moved around after that working for small companies working for coca-cola uh, and ending up for the last 12 years uh, 12 years today um with Urco Worldwide uh, as the corporate maintenance manager. Um, but again, it was all through my career. It really wasn't about my technical skills. I did develop some technical, you know, know-how, uh, but again, hand skills, no, but logic and, and systems. Um, but the one thing that I had through all of that was the ability to, to lead people. Um, it was something my parents had given me. It was something from a very early age I knew I had. Um, and I was able to take advantage of it. And uh, that's supported me for 
last 25 years or so as a, you know as as a leader uh, it's been it's been great so uh, that's my my life story and i'm riding off into the sunset <laughs> on the last day of retirement or on the yeah. first day of retirement first day of retirement <laughs> So Cliff, like obviously you've been around a long time and you've seen a bunch of different facilities and you know, you mentioned it, right? Is leadership. Like what do you think are the biggest gaps in leadership, at least in maintenance and reliability? Um, I think the, the biggest ones we, we see or I've seen is that um, A, people um, don't necessarily uh, believe in themselves and, and are prepared to uh, allow other people to take on some of the responsibility. I, I think that's been the biggest stumbling block is that I'm the boss. I will tell you what to do, you know, or I'm the boss. I have to control everything. And, and from a very, very early part of my career, uh, <laughs> I, I tried to get rid of that. You know, it was okay. I may be the boss, but I don't have to do everything. And um, wherever I could, I delegated. And for a lot of people, they, they not, they're not comfortable doing that. And that's what I see is that, you know, uh, people are not prepared to take risks. They're not prepared to, you know, give accountability or authority to, to the tradespeople to, to do what they are, you know, and, and, they have some great skills. They have some great knowledge. Why wouldn't you let them? Uh, and that's what I find is the biggest challenge is that people won't let them. Uh, and, and it comes back to, you know, things that we've talked about was they don't feel comfortable, you know, in their skill sets, you know, and, and they have to feel they have to cover their butt at every, you know, at every opportunity so that they don't look bad. Um, and if you don't look bad, you won't look good. So uh, I, I think that's the biggest challenge that I've seen is that uh, people don't understand that it's, it's about relationships and they don't understand that um, you have to use the tools that you have. The one thing that's always been true as a maintenance manager is that wherever I've been is that, you know, if I have to do everything myself, I'm not going home. I don't have time. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. So things that I don't need to do, I don't do. I love it. And yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that I've seen a lot too, right? It's like, it boils down to fear and ego. And it's like, for mm, me, that's it. Like, I think fear is huge. Like, I think even some of the discussions you have, it's like people say to you, like, well, do you want to lose your job? And yep. like, especially since I've started talking about it on this show, I've gotten emails from people who say like, I agree, but I don't want to come and talk about it. <laughs> Because yeah. I'm scared. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, you know, go back to uh, my comments a little earlier. I was lucky enough when, when I went into the paper industry those years ago, um, I was lucky enough to have people who um, were, were supportive. They, they were quite, quite supportive, you know, and they, they were the leaders that I wanted to be. You know, it was, wow, okay. And, and I guess that's what, what's happened is I've modeled myself on those people. And I think about, you know, the way they treated me, you know, and we used to talk about this. And even in a union environment, and, and you know, I, would, I would kind of say, no, you know, I'm not going to treat people equally. I'm going to treat people equitably. Uh, as much as you put in, you're going to get out with me because that's the way that, you know, that I was uh, managed or the leader's 
and I loved it because it, it was it was rewarding me for my efforts and not that we're all equal, you know, and so okay, you know, there's no point in me doing anymore because I'm not gonna get anything else or I don't have to do anything because nothing's gonna happen and, and all of those things. So um it, it that proved some interesting discussions though with with the with trade unions and things like that when you, you kind of try to explain that concept of equitable as opposed to equal. Uh, yeah, that was interesting discussions. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, for me, like sitting where I sit, I, I think for me, like what the message I've been really trying to push on this show has been just the people aspect, the connection aspect and like treating people like people. Like I, th I think one thing that I've seen throughout my career is like a lot of the managers that we have, they don't realize that there's other things that are going on in people's lives. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like having someone having a bad performance or doing something poorly for whatever reason, sometimes it's more than just they don't know how or they don't have tools. There's other stuff going on. And it's like, basically, it's root cause analysis, but you have to sure. bring some empathy and some like compassion for people. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I've had instances where um, I've had, you know, I've noticed that people's behavior has changed. We've, you've, you've kind of, okay, close the door. Let's talk about this. Why are the, you know, and ended up with people crying in the office uh, because of divorce or things like that. Well, you know, why am I going to judge people on their work performance when they're having life-changing moments and things like that? You know, it just doesn't make sense. And so it comes back to that relationship and having, you know, having the, the relationships with people where you can have those conversations. Because if you're a command and control freak, having a one-on-one a, a -on -one conversation to get to the personal side of things is kind of difficult. You know, there's no trust, there's no credibility there. That's not going to happen. So it has to be built and that trust and credibility has to be built. And once you have it, you can build on those relationships. But 100%, Rob, it's, it's I always say they were humans before they were ever tradesmen. <laughs> treat them as humans first and tradesmen second. You're going to be okay. You start treating them as tradesmen first and humans second, you're going to be in trouble. So uh, don't do it. it, it they are, we're all human beings and, and we all want to be treated, you know, in, in certain ways. Yeah. And I, I can't echo the psych safety piece of it enough. Like the trust aspect, like I've sat, like I struggle with mental health. Right. And I've sat in managers offices and they've asked me, you know, like, how are you doing? And mm -hmm. like the night before I've slept for like one hour and I'm like battling these demons and, and you're like, Oh, I'm good. Like absolutely yeah. wonderful. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, you know, it's just, they don't have that trust piece. And I, I, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, part of that is definitely me, of course, like I've opened up a lot recently, but I think, I think part of it is also just like people don't learn these skills, like they're engineers or they're mechanics and they get promoted and they're just like, like there, right? Like, yeah. what do you, what do you think? Like if, if, if someone has been promoted and now they're like starting to manage people, like what skills or like, where should they go to learn leadership? That's tough. Um, because we, it, it could end us down a, a rabbit hole here as to whether leadership is 
learned our leadership is born. And so we'll, we'll kind of stay away from that a little bit. Well, I've learned but, it, Cliff, so I'll tell you, I'll but, tell you, I'm on a journey to learn it. <laughs> yeah, it, and, and it becomes, and I guess the answer to your question is it depends where you're starting from, really. Yeah. You know, is that um, one of the failings is that uh, when people are hired, you know, when HR and people get involved, they hire the wrong people, you know, and, and you, you just hit on it. And, you know, I just retired from a, or retiring today, four o'clock at, uh, <laughs> from a, when a this is released, company. he's already retired. Yeah, I'm gone. <laughs> I'm gone. So I can speak. Um, but you know, it, it's a, it was a company that was full of engineers and chemists. Well, chemists know you two parts, H one part, or you're going to get water every time. And the engineers know that the laws of physics work every time. And then you put them in charge of people who are never the same way twice. <laughs> you know, are they going to fail? Yes, absolutely. So um, getting the right people is much better start. But if you're starting off with people that are not used to that, um, there, there are... Uh, the, the leadership skills, as we call them. As to, I, I like to talk about it that way, Robin, that people learn the leadership skills um, not, rather than lead, learn leadership as such, because learning leadership as such, I think is, is real a transformation of a person, <laughs> you know, and I, I really do. I think, you know, that is a, a, an internal transformation for people to, to achieve Absolutely. leadership as such. Yeah. Uh, but you can get people who at least learn leadership skills such as building relationships, listening, you know, communicating properly and all of these types of things. Um, and there are numerous, you know, you're, you're starting off down, the, your new adventure is in leadership. So you're gonna be one place where they're going to come. You know, that's another challenge in itself is like, where are these places? where people can go to learn these leadership skills. Yep, you can get, you send know. Send me an email. Yeah, <laughs> if you want it, send me an email. Right, because you, you, you have, you know, the, I, I've seen it uh, over the years where you will have, uh, you know, people like Ken Blanchard, whose books I really like. You know, so I'm, this is not a hit on Ken Blanchard, but Ken Blanchard's, you know, group will come in and they'll do a, a situation leadership course. Uh, the only problem is the people in the class can't relate that to where they are in their, in their, you know, in, in their organization because it's not coming in as a situational management at Urco Worldwide where I was. It was situational management and it was a cookie cutter and it worked. And we would sit there and I would sit there with people and they would say, this is great, but it'll never work here. So, you know, getting uh, whichever way you're going to learn it, you have to be able to take the learnings and put them into your situation and put them into your environment so that you can then, you know, translate from those things that you're being taught, but make them relevant to you. And, and that's, a, that's a challenge because it's not natural to you. So, um, you know, as you're starting out, you're going to be working with people and it's going to end up one-on-ones and things like that. And that's where the, that's really where the value comes in because you can get, you can build your relationships and help them build their relationships because it, it, it's much more personal then. So it, it's a tough one where to go because it's, um, you can do all of the cookie cutter stuff and it, it helps, but it doesn't get you necessarily to where you want to be. 
Yeah, I agree. And, and one thing like, like, I mean, that's where I've gone, right? So I've learned leadership one-on-one um, and it's been basically an internal transformation of me. Yeah. And that's like where we're going. Like we, we started the Leadership Launchpad Project, the, the, the training program yesterday. And it's, I mean, it's a group forum, small group, but we will have one-on-ones with everybody in there. And the piece that I think is missing is the mindset piece. And that's, that's really where we're coming from is you make decisions all the time and you feel certain ways all the time because of these beliefs that you have. Mm-hmm. And until you can start affecting those beliefs and align, it's just asset management 101, but with your yeah. brain, right? If you can align those beliefs with where you want to go, that's where right. you start actually making decisions towards that. And it's not easy. I'll tell you that much. It's been a war no. for me, but no. but it's definitely changed. And, and that's why, you know, again, into this answer of uh, nature or nurture as to leadership and all of those things, um, we're, we're all born differently, you know? And, and so for, for some to make that alignment is easier than for others to make that alignment. But until you get that alignment, you really can't move forward in, in, the, in a leadership role or a leadership world. And, and even more than that, a, a leadership in your own life, which, which is, is key about it. If, you, if you're not feeling uh, you know, the leader of your own life, then it's extremely difficult to, to lead other people's lives. I love it. Now, Cliff, I have to ask you this one because <laughs> I, I, I saw you, you did a talk in Houston or Memphis, sorry, in Memphis a few years ago. And, and you told us a great story about cameras in the parking lot. Do you want to just, I, I don't want to spoil the ending. So, okay. Can, can okay. Give us yeah. Story? No, I'll, I'll tell you the story. Although again, in COVID times and all of these things, um, you're going to miss the best parts, which are the visuals. So I'm going to try and paint the picture. Uh, and Rob knows the picture that I painted. So it goes back to, uh, again, talking about culture and all of these things when uh, working at a paper mill. And we decided that we were going to be uh, self-regulating teams, you know, the Japanese way. And it was going to have everyone involved in, and uh, we would develop, you know, mission statement and a philosophy statement. And it would state all these wonderful things like we value our people and our people can be trusted and all. And it was a beautiful statement. We worked with consultants to develop this. And uh, I was part of the team that helped develop it. So we developed it and we handed out these neat little cards with all of our, you know, our mission, our goals, our statement of how we're going to exist. And we handed it out to everyone in the plant and it was great. And well, was it? Okay, fine. Uh, we handed it out about two weeks, maybe a month later, I get into my office and, you know, there's a message on the phone at seven o'clock and pick the phone up and it's like, um, hi, this is so-and-so from HR. Uh, could you come to the boardroom right away, please? Well, that was a kind of uh, a warning in itself, you know, because HR really didn't know that seven o'clock in the morning existed up until this point. <laughs> they really didn't understand. So there was obviously something going on and I was a little bit worried, you know, I thought, hmm, uh, I haven't really done anything bad. So anyway, up to the boardroom we go. And it's okay because the boardroom's full and it's full of all the other managers and, and a couple of people from HR, plant manager. And so come in, sit down. Okay. So the, 
the, the HR people said, well, uh, something has happened over the weekend and um, unbeknownst to us, um, corporate had installed cameras on the, on, you know, the edge of the buildings and we were a new, new site and, and there was theft and it was believed that people were putting stuff in the cars and driving it away and, and everything like that. We didn't know who, so, uh, okay, we knew there was a problem, but they said, yes, they've installed cameras, you know, looking out over, you know, the, the parking lots and things. So we thought, okay, mm -hmm, that really doesn't jive with, we trust our people, but okay, well, whatever. So they said, we said, okay, that's fine. We'll do, you know, loss control. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. And, and of course, maintenance be a maintenance. They're always the, the loudest. So I'm saying, yeah, it'll be difficult, but I'll take care of it. And they said, no, we've not finished yet. I said, okay, well, what, what else was there? And they said, well, we've got some film from one of the cameras in the, and video, it was a video in those days. So they said, we'll, we'll just run the video now. So they run the video and, and you could see that this camera was like under a stairwell pointing out into the parking lot right next to an exit. So, you know, perfectly positioned to see if anyone's taking anything. So the, the film started rolling and uh, all of a sudden a face appears in the camera and it was one of the electricians. And he's kind of looking quizzically into the camera and what's going on here? Yes, what's this? And then all of a sudden he moves out and another face appears and it was one of the millwrights. Obviously they were walking around and they'd found this camera. The millwright wasn't quite as accepting as the electrician. So he starts staring into the camera and he starts shouting into the camera. You can tell by his, you know, you didn't have to be a, a, a great lip reader to understand that he wasn't pleased. He was screaming at it and you could kind of see him step back and pull out his his philosophy statement from his pocket because this guy Kevin, Kevin, you know, he he took everything and ran with it. He really believed it, and he he could quote, you know, the philosophy statement. So he's there, and he is pointing. We trust our people, and then you can see him mouthing, you know, this is not trust. This is not trust, and you can see him using expletives. It's not trust, and he's still pointing at this. So okay, oh. So I'm sitting in the boardroom now and I'm saying, okay, I, I've got a tough day ahead. I'm going to have to try and, you know, calm all these guys down and whatever. And the HR person said, we're not finished yet. And I thought, oh no, what else could it be? So I said, you know, what else could it be? Well, just wait a minute. We're going to fast forward. So they fast forward the video and there we go. Okay. And then you can see that, it, you know, it runs for a while. And then all of a sudden Kevin comes back into the picture. And this time he's got his street clothes on. Obviously he's changed, he's going home, but you know, he's still upset. And as I say, this guy was a hundred percent. So he's still upset and he's still a hundred percent upset. So he bends down and looks at the camera again and he starts telling us that this is not trust. Again, using much expletives and everything. He pulls out his vision statement, rips it up into pieces, throws it on the floor, turns around and drops his pants. <laughs> and so we had this picture of Kevin and his rear end stuck in the camera. And that was, and even though it was so serious, everybody in the room just burst out laughing and everything. But it was, uh, again, our actions not meeting our words. Uh, but it was, uh, yeah, it was a fun time.
but <laughs> I can't say it was fun afterwards, but uh, yeah, it was, it was a good story. <laughs> it, it is a really good story. And it's just like, it just goes to show you, right. It's, it's like, it's not a, just about like these statements, like a lot of people, they, they ask about, like, I've talked to Ryan Chan about it. And he said, like, you know, what do you think about mission vision values? And I'm like, I don't, like, I don't think it's a hot take, but I don't like them. Like, I think mm -hmm. a lot of companies just set them for the sake of setting them, but it's just this thing that they do. And to me, I think you're like, and every company I've ever been to, it's honesty, integrity, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, right. nobody actually is any of those things. Yeah. What were those three things you just said then, Rob? Vision? Mission, vision, values. <laughs> mission, vision, values. Yeah. And that's the problem is uh, most organizations will, will get those three and miss the fourth, which is the most, most, most important one. And that's norms. You have to develop your norms that demonstrate mission statement, all of those things. And that's what we didn't do. We didn't develop that norm. Uh, we recovered from it and, and um, in, in that organization, uh, in the maintenance part of it anyway, we developed the norms. We, we ended up allowing our people to issue POs. We ended up allowing our people to call in contractors if necessary, all of these things, because those were the norms that demonstrated we trusted our people, we valued their input, all this stuff. The, the words meant nothing. It was the norms that meant it to them and they loved it and they took it and they ran with it. Instead of telling them you trusted them, you showed it and they ran with it. It was great. I mean, that's the thing, right? Like you can say, oh, oh, you know, we trust you. But when, yeah. you, when you're installing cameras, yeah. it's like you're not really doing much. Yeah, it was a tough one to get over. But we got over it. We, we got over it. <laughs> So Cliff, I gotta, I gotta run pretty soon. So we'll, we should wrap this one up now, Cliff, like obviously you're going to be curling a lot, but yep, hopefully, do you, do you have anything to COVID. plug? Like where should people find you? Um, you know, on LinkedIn, because believe it or not, Rob, there are still people out there who are wrong on LinkedIn. I think I've tried <laughs> to correct most of them, but uh, I'm going to continue to try that. Um, I, I, as, as we've talked about before, in all honesty, I don't know where I'm going in this. I, I am, uh, I'm continuing to teach regularly for PMAC, and so that takes a bit of my time. I, will, I am on LinkedIn at various uh, sites. I'm talking with Ryan and upkeeping people, you know, about that. I work with people and processes, and I may try and, you know, start something myself, but uh, again, depends on the curling. It's, uh, I'm not very good, so I have to get better, so I, I need the practice. That's right. It's um, always, yeah. it's always about practice. <laughs> yeah. Practice makes perfect. Hopefully, at least if it makes it so that I can throw the rock, I'll be okay. <laughs> no, I, I really appreciate you joining us, Cliff. And, and obviously it's always fun to talk to you. So it was great yeah. to have you on the show. No, we have great fun, Rob. And uh, really, really, really wish you the best of luck. And uh, you, you'll be hearing from me. Don't worry about that. I'll be, uh, especially if you post on LinkedIn and you're wrong, you'll definitely be hearing from me. So we'll, I'm always, but, I'm always want to hear, I always want to hear from you, Cliff. I, yeah. There's no doubt about that. It's going to be, it's going to be a great adventure for you. I really, really 
hope that uh, everything takes off as quickly as, as you'd want it to and not too quickly because that could be the challenge as well. So as quickly as, as I want wanted it, to was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll happen. It'll, it'll come. It'll be, uh, and, and the other thing I'd be extremely remiss if I didn't thank you for your Rob's reliability. It's been great fun all along and it's been a tremendous uh, you know, place where people have met and, and everything like that. It's been, it's been something that people could, uh, you know, in these times, even people like myself, I love the camaraderie and, you know, that we can talk and we can learn and we can check and we can, it's been great. And we thank you all for that, Rob. I really, I really appreciated it. It's been, it's helped me get through these times. So it, it's been great. No, I mean, I appreciate it. And, you know, without people like you, Cliff, we wouldn't have made this possible. So I, I appreciate you and I thank you for joining us too. Yeah. yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get together and tell more stories. Absolutely. We can't tell those on the show. <laughs> <That'll> be, <laughs> those will be some, around a beer and, and uh, yeah. on a sense well, we can show. We can find the good ones. <laughs> No, so everyone who's listening, you know, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Um, I'm not going to tell you to follow the podcast because we're going to be shutting it down in a few weeks. But if you want to continue hearing about leadership and following my journey, I would really appreciate that. And you can subscribe to the Leadership Launchpad Project on wherever you've subscribed to this podcast. So would love to have you there. And Cliff, it's always a pleasure. It's been a pleasure, Rob, and good luck. Thank you, and we'll see you all next week.